Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Farmer Forum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre and I'm Farmer Forum's Creative Director. For this episode, I tackled a subject particularly close to my heart, that of digital health technology. To do this, I visited GlaxoSmithKline at their Stockley Park base to speak with Kai Gate, a Senior Global Digital Strategy Director of the company. And we covered digital innovation, how technology is disrupting healthcare, and how GSK has been harnessing digital tech to improve patient outcomes. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. Hi, welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. Uh, I suppose a good place perhaps to, to start would be if you can tell us a bit more about your role and how it pertains to digital and digital uh, innovation in particular. Yeah, thank you very much for the uh, invite to join your podcast. So um, I'm Kai Gate. I'm Senior Digital Director at GSK. Um, I work in the global innovation team looking at innovation projects and my focus over the past few years has been around digital therapeutics and digital medicines. So really at the cutting edge of, of this whole digital innovation space in healthcare. Okay. And so within that, um, that area then, when you think of digital innovation, what, what does that actually mean to you? It's, it's probably quite a, a term often banded around. Uh, there's probably a fair few experts attached to it um, yeah. <laughs> in, in the wider space, certainly not, not here, of course. Um, but what, what does it mean to you? So digital innovation to me is um, about trying to solve real problems for people. Um, one of the key things when we look at this is is really trying to understand what the issue is and get really get to the root of it because if we can really understand what are the challenges that people face with their health etc and whether they're in healthcare systems um, it helps us define and build out solutions towards that so you know when we look at the problems we may come up with um, various different aspects to it but what we're really trying to do is look at how we can solve it as easily as possible with the least amount of friction for the user. And we may come up with hundreds of different ways to try and address it, but what we have to then do is go back and test it and see whether it resonates with the user. So it's, we actually instill the, the, you know, the full forwards fast mentality. So we really try and define the problem. We then test multiple solutions, iterating every single time until we can really try and solve that problem for the user. And then, you know, doing it this way allows us to, to get to the, to the meat of the problem, build out very quickly, but then also layer up other services that could expand this and help the, the user in the future as well. So we can develop quickly, fail quickly, learn quickly, but iterate quickly at a lower cost to us, to the patient, to time, etc. So, every iteration builds a better product. Mm-hmm. And within that, are you are you always starting with uh, problem first and then building out from there, or is there a, is it ever appropriate to start with the technology first and then see how that could be be applied? Yeah, I think if we go back a few years, it became we would typically find a solution to a problem that we thought was there. Uh, and we've seen this a lot in healthcare, and you, see, you actually see this a lot outside of healthcare mm, as well, sure. to be quite honest, um, that you try and find, you build a solution to a problem that's not necessarily pinned down. I think in this space now, and I think one of the, the great things about 
GSK and the way we're doing it is we really try and define that problem because then we really hone in on developing a solution that really addresses that need. If we don't do that, you could be spending a lot of time, effort, money, resource, etc., on building things that are just a bit vanity and you know everybody needs to move away from that to solve problems for, for real issues. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it sounds like it's a long way away from the we must have an app because we must have an app kind you, of you kind still of Yeah, we still kind of get that, not just in, you know, I've still seen instances of that in GSK. Um, because I think one of the challenges with digital and farmer's evolution, and again, it's not just farmer that I see this mm-hmm. as well, is that, you know, you jump to a solution rather than trying to distill the problem. And, you know, I was at, I was at few meetings recently where some of the ideas were just it's the sexy technologies and they're they're sold to people and to marketing teams etc and the problem is is that you then try and find a, a problem that that technology fits and that's just the wrong way around um you know the best solutions come when and the best use of those solutions is when it actually addresses a real problem mm-hmm. and in, in terms of um dig- digital innovation are we, are we always talking about new technology or should innovation be be thought of much more wider than than that um new technology is one of those things it goes back to the sexy factor in this is that you know you look at new technologies and they have that bit of wow um we saw 3d tvs trying to give that bit of wow and that sexy factor and everybody rushed out and bought one and then companies stopped doing 3d programming and 3d dvds and you know it it's a bit of wow but in what we're trying to do is it doesn't matter how old the technology is because it can still be incredibly impactful something as subtle as a text message at the right point can be a big driver so um, you know you should never discredit any technology in this because what you're trying to do is solve a problem and eventually as you work with users to design solutions to it you will uncover the technologies that then fit best to solving that problem. Mm-hmm. So don't be technology-led, be led by the user and trying to solve that problem. We move on to digital disruption. There's, there can be few industries um, that haven't been disrupted to some extent by, by new technology mm-hmm. in the recent past. Um, and obviously my own sector of media and publishing is, is, is uh, by no means immune, as uh, neither is, is pharma and healthcare. When you look at healthcare then, how would you see digital disrupting healthcare at the moment? I mean, we've been through the digitisation, and we're still going through it. If I look at the farm industry and the healthcare industry as a whole, we're going through the digitisation of healthcare. But that isn't digital health. That's you know moving our practices from one medium to another. But if we look at digital health, I think you know we're now seeing a big presence coming into digital health and not from necessarily from the existing players so um, if you know there is a lot of drive now on the patient um, uh, patient care and outcomes and some of this is actually being driven by non-pharma players by non-healthcare players um, I was at a conference earlier this month in December and there was a lot of clinically validated digital therapeutics companies who are technology companies that are beginning to validate and they're now getting reimbursement for their products and these are add-on solutions with no medicines Mm -hmm. so 
you know, you've got people uh, such as Welldoc who are looking to help people manage their diabetes. You've got companies like Blue Mesa who are trying to uh, get to pre-diabetic patients. And if they can get to pre-diabetic type 2 patients earlier and help them manage their own health, then you reduce the diabetes burden. So you've got technology companies into this space who are beginning to understand the healthcare structures. In the US, they're getting reimbursement, and I saw... uh, today that um, Pair Therapeutics is now FDA cleared with Sandos. So, you know, these are solutions which have been applied, which if there's a medicine involved, that's great. And you've now got an adjunct digital therapeutic to it to give you an even better patient outcome. Um, But you've got products in this space now which are not related to medicines at all, looking to improve patient outcomes. And I think this is where the pharma industry needs to understand where the opportunity and also threat maybe and particularly if you if you look at i suppose uh, digital therapeutics you're talking about a whole new potentially a whole new class a whole new type of, of medicines it almost coming yes. coming through um, yeah. and it's it's clearly quite a leap forward from the from what the process you were des- describing the, that earlier process of digitizing um, moving from one medium to another but not necessarily changing fu- fundamentally changing things but with then with with digital therapeutics all of a sudden you've got a, uh, an opportunity to for medicine to change in, 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 a, in a way yeah i mean you've, you've got the medicines and then you've now got anything you've got tools and services that sit around it or may sit to one side of it um i think you know in all of these these products they're looking to help people understand their health more um and I think that's one of the, we've always said, if you can help a patient understand their own health and take control of their own health, that's the biggest change you'll ever drive in healthcare. Um, so these are the kinds of things that, okay, you've probably got a subset of patients who will engage with it, but as these are clinically validated tools now coming out that will be prescribed, such as the pair therapeutics uh, product, you know, physicians will prescribe it to patients and that's going to be a fundamental change as well because you've got a medicine and a prescribed digital therapeutic which will look to improve outcomes. And I think the, the healthcare professionals will engage with it differently as well. So I think these are areas where there's going to be a fundamental change. But going back to your question around, you know, around some of the technologies as well, some of the you know, when we look at things like virtual reality, which was everybody jumped on the bandwagon to do something with VR because it was, again, sexy, actually that's now been applied as a digital therapeutic in pain management. So, you know, moving what was once sexy is now actually finding a clinically validated solution to try and help people manage their pain better through things like mindfulness, etc. So what was once a bit niche and out there is now becoming into the healthcare sphere and actually has a practical and validated use, which I think is just incredible. And so in, in terms of um, how digital uh, healthcare, um, digital technology can um, have a positive impact on, on patient outcomes, does it, from your point of view, do you, do you think it, it all boils down to it's fundamentally about understanding, helping the patients un- understand their condition, their treatment, their diagnosis better. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at when you look at patients who are diagnosed with conditions, sometimes, you know, you go through that 
shock and fear of the diagnosis, depending on what you've been um, diagnosed with. Um, and I, you know, from my own family members going through all of this, the information that you're told by the physician just does not go in um, because there's a lot going on in your head, etc. I think these kind of tools and services being delivered digitally that allow you to then get a better understanding, get a better grip of it, and then help you try and go through this process. Um, there are big game changers that I see. But also I think, you know, if you can educate a patient to understand their own health and take more control of it, then that's going to be a massive improvement to the patient, hopefully, because they'll get better outcomes, which will hopefully improve their quality of life. So again, you know, the knock-on effect is better for the patient if they take more control of their own health. Mm. And if, if we turn now to look at what, what your own company, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, is, is doing when it comes to um, looking to harness digital technology. So tell me about that. What, what sort of things are you, are you currently involved in? What, what sort of work are you uh, you're doing this space so i mean we're we mean we're looking at end to end really um you know what we've been looking at is how we can use technology in clinical trials and improve our clinical trials and our, the experience of patients going through clinical trials all the way through to you know looking at sensors with medicines for example so we've got the end-to-end -end spectrum of our medicines out in market what can we do with those but also our medicines in development and what we can do with those so We've got different teams across the organisation looking at different aspects and then we've got our innovation team looking at completely different ways of doing things as well. So we're, we're open to all of these new ideas, new ways of working and being more agile, mm -hmm. but ultimately what we're really focused on is solving the problems for the patients. And if, you, if maybe you could pick an example of, uh, of, some, of a piece of work you, you, you've undertaken or a particular initiative... What, what do you think best sums up some of the works some of the work you've been doing? I mean, the one that um, I think has been most interesting for me is with our Myasma program, mm -hmm. because what we look to do is build a digital therapeutic. So it wasn't aligned to any medicine, and it was. It's been a brilliant experience to work through a product not tied to a medicine to look at whether it can improve outcomes of patients. Um, you know, I was fortunate that the leadership um, allowed us to progress this kind of initiative because, again, it wasn't tied to a medicine. It was something new, and it was really a proof of concept to say, can we do this? Can we develop this way and act more like a software company? And was that an easy conversation to have around, we want to do something, but it's not tied to a, to a medicine, to a product, um, to a brand? Yeah, I mean, it, there's, always the, there's always the juggling aspect with you know, the, the commercial activities that we have to develop and the business, the business drivers. But also, I think, you know, when we look at what this set up for us and the knowledge it built, it actually went into other programs that we've got in play mm -hmm. as well. So we couldn't have been where we are with our knowledge around, you know, other areas of business that we're focusing in if we hadn't have done started in this journey a couple of years ago. So from every project we deliver and work on, we learn. And if the project's a success, that's great. If the project's a failure, we still take that learning and apply it to the next programme so that we don't make the same mistakes twice, hopefully. Mm. And with, with my asthma, I think it went through a few iterations. How, what did it start out at and what did it end, end up as? What is my asthma yeah. today? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've continued to update the product as, as we've gone on. And it was really a tool to try and help patients understand their asthma in more detail. I think one of the, the, the nicest things about it has been that 
you know, the feedback from customers actually to our contact centre, and then I, I get to see every piece of feedback and I actually reply to it. Um, it's great to see what people say. Um, sometimes, you know, the feedback isn't always positive, but actually you should be using that to improve the product anyway. Um, but the feedback has been really good because we found things that we missed and we built those in. So this again is going back to Agile is you run these cycles of testing and learning and take, make every iteration better based upon the user feedback because the user's feeding back because there's something wrong or they think there's something that we've missed and we make it better through that feedback loop. And that's been uh, that's been a tremendous learning. Mm -hmm. And so with with Vias, um, we're just sticking with that for for a little moment longer. Uh, so it, it's it's a mobile app based yes. te technology. Yeah. What what sort of um, results have you had from it? What what sort of things does it does it allow users to do? So from a user's perspective, they can uh, track and manage their asthma or one of their dependents. So they could have a child or a, a relative who's living with asthma. And what it's doing is bringing in loads of different data sources so um, asthma patients may be more sensitive to extremes in temperature the highs or lows or pollen and pollution etc and what we did is from the design perspective we looked at all of these data types that were publicly available and we brought them together but critically what we tried to do is help the user in context so we knew designing an app that somebody's going to look at every 30 seconds was never going to be realistic. But what the app does is it tries to understand what a user is more sensitive to in terms of their asthma as their perceived triggers and then alert them to when pollen or pollution or cold weather may affect them. And it just gives them some very simple advice on precautions they may take. So it's not giving them a diagnosis we don't do diagnosis of asthma, they've already been diagnosed with asthma, and it's not giving them medical advice because that's the role of the healthcare professional. But what it's trying to do is just help them understand in more context their asthma, what the environment may, or how it may affect them, and then give them some precautionary advice on what they could do to try and alleviate it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so fir firmly within your uh, overall goal of, of helping with um, yes. patient un understanding and yeah. coming down to yeah. that. And then um, if we look at some of the other technologies. Uh, I understand you've got a bit of an interest in the Internet of Things at the moment yes. and how that might might uh, be applied to um, uh, to healthcare. T tell me about that. I mean, how, what what are your ideas around around that at the moment? Uh, Internet of Things for me is a is just a crazy passion, but mainly a frustration for my wife because we've got an IoT controlled house and she's just so sick of the lights going off and on when I leave the house without her so it's great in some ways and frustrating when she's sat in the dark with my little boy um, but IoT I think holds a tremendous promise from a, from a healthcare perspective um, when, when we were looking at things like miasma but more as a, a general interest for me there's things like home monitoring sensors and I've, I've got these in my house and it actually sparked from there in that you know, we understand the air quality and the CO2 and everything that's going on in each room in our house. And, you know, if CO2 levels rise in the house, it ventilates the house and puts fresh air into it. So it's always clean air and that should suppress allergies, etc. So I was looking at this home monitoring solution thinking, well, how could we use that data to help people at a much granular level? And 
you know, I thought I was unique in having one of these home monitoring systems, but actually when I looked at it globally, they're everywhere. Now, this prevalence of this data means you can have a much more granular breakdown of environmental conditions um, from, from, you know, IoT-based devices, almost in a way more granular than the traditional weather or environmental services that you can, data services you can buy. So I think these kind of services exist and it's how you may leverage them to solve a problem. I think when we build out from here as well is that, you know, with miniaturization of sensors and of these kinds of technologies, you can start enabling medicines with sensors so that you can help patients understand when and where to take them, for example. So I think IoT holds a lot of promise, um, but again, it's finding the right application, and that application, again, needs to solve a problem and not just mm. jumping into it because it's a sexy buzzword again. Mm. How well is, is Pharma set up, do you think, for all of the data that these sorts of things generate? And we moved from... Um, maybe the first phase might might have been the, the users inputting their, their data, logging their data and having to go through that step, but, but essentially it's a manual process. And then with things like the Internet of Things or uh, ingestible sensors and a lot of that sort of stuff, they're obviously not having to, the user's not having yeah. to do anything beyond that first step of installing or ingesting the, the, the digital medicine. But with all the, the data that's now going to be um, produced from that, how, how well equipped is, is Pharma, do you think, to, to make sense of that? I mean, Pharma has always generated large volumes of data through clinical studies, etc., and drug discovery. So we're used to handling volumes of data. But when you look at digital solutions in this case, it's a different kind of data service that may build out from here because you've all of a sudden got the ability to see data in real time, potentially, of users who are interacting with your things. So, you know, it does require a little bit more of a technology mindset. And it was interesting. I visited a company not long ago. And you walk into the reception, there's the big screen on the wall behind them. And I was like, what's this showing? They said, that's the number of users interacting with our product in real time. And they're showing these graphs of patients of you know, patients interacting with their products in real time, not showing mm. the individual patients themselves, sure. but just showing the aggregated data flowing through their system. And, you, you know, this is a health technology company who's visualizing this data, using machine learning to make better products for them, you know, for themselves. Um, I think we've probably still got a little bit of a way to go in this space, but, you know, I think it's one that companies are beginning to invest in. Um, like I said previously, I was at a conference uh, at the beginning of December, and you've got the various pharma partners, you know, ph pharma companies out there who are beginning to look at this from an innovation, partnering with uh, digital therapy companies, partnering with all of these technology companies to build and look at products that may help patients in real time. So it's beginning to change, and I think some of it's been driven by the tech companies themselves. Mm -hmm. And if, if we look at just one particular subset of how uh, digital is being used by, by pharma, so how, how it's being used in, in marketing, yep. uh, of course you were, you were recently made uh, a fellow of the Chartered Institute of, of Marketing, right? Yes. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so with that sort of um, solid understanding of, of marketing and then about 
25 years in, in digital? Yes, too long. Else? 25 years in digital, man and boy. So when, when, when you bring them, bring them together, um, what, what impact do you think digital is having on, on pharmaceutical marketing at the moment? I think, um, I think digital can still frighten pharma to a degree, but digital is just marketing. So, you know, we've gone past the days where it's, it's an add-on, it's an expectation by our customers. Um, and I think marketers in pharma need that good, strong understanding of digital and what their customers want from a digital experience against, whether it's against their medicine or against the service, etc. cetera. Um, if you are marketing, it's just, you know, it's marketing 101 is understanding your customer need. Mm. And then you've got to look at how you meet that customer need. And if the correct thing to do is a digital solution to it or a digital approach to it, it is just part of your marketing mix. And um, I think it's key that marketers in pharma stay aware of the opportunities that digital can bring to them. Um, and I think, you know, we've been through numerous transformations across the industry over the years um, where, you know, change and driving and educating marketers but a good marketer stays you know as you know like like you said you know at the chartered institute of marketing um one of the things i have to do is con commit to continual learning um that's really important because it allows me to stay abreast of what's happening out there and what people's expectations and experiences are like and therefore develop the right marketing strategies and solutions to deliver on it so it's just about staying abreast and being a good marketer mm -hmm. And so, um, or maybe one, one sort of la last question for the podcast, um, in terms of staying abreast of d developments, if we look to the future then, what, 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 where do you see the future of digital in, in pharma at, at, at the moment? I think um, it's interesting because the area that I've, I've been focused on around digital therapeutics and digital medicines, I think these kind of services that will sit alongside the medicines coming to market will will become more um, involved and I think healthcare systems are beginning to look at them with a lot more interest because you have a medicine to improve a patient's outcomes and then if you can lift that even further through an adjunct service I think that's going to become more interesting. Um, NICE have recently released some information around evaluating the effectiveness of digital solutions. Uh, there was something in the Lancet recently as well. Um, if I look at the markets across the world, um, different healthcare systems are all looking at these kind of solutions with interest because I think as we, as we evolve, the medicine's going to be one point that you know, we've got to get reimbursed and that's going to deliver one thing. But healthcare systems are under incredible pressure, so they're going to want to see bigger improvements as well and then add-on improvements to try and ease some of those pressures. So I think digital is going to evolve in this space to go down supporting patients even further with supportive services alongside the medicines. And I think that's going to be a big, big driver over the next few years. Oh, it certainly makes the, it looks like the, the space is going to, going to uh, continue to be an exciting one. I think for, I th for the industry. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a hugely exciting space. Um, there's challenges coming in this who left, right, and centre who are not traditional pharma players. You know, we're being pushed by technology companies now. So I think it's going to be a hugely exciting space, and I think it's one that you know farmers going to have to upskill very quickly or make the right partnerships if it wants to stay a leader. Mm -hmm. 
Well, certainly uh, one one to watch for the future. Well, Kai, thank you very much. That's, thank you. That brings us to the end of, of this Farmer Forum podcast. Thank you. And that rounds up this episode of the Farmer Forum podcast and my chat with GSK's Kai Gate on digital innovation, disruption, and marketing. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other installments in the series at farmerforum.com forward slash podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Farmer Forum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins. And follow us on Twitter, where we are at Pharma Forum. Thank you.